appreciate uh, uh, Bob's words. Uh, and uh, so let me just give you a, a little suggestion. So every week I text out sometime Saturday uh, the scripture for you to read and ask you to pray for services. And so I don't know who, who does and who doesn't, but uh, probably the thing, if you're not able to transfer that over to doing it later, probably the thing right then is this, ignore, ignore the text if you want to, but just right at that moment, just stop what you're doing, sit down and pray for services. That's the least, you know. And, and I'll tell you what's going to happen. Uh, you're going to see a transformation in our services. Yeah, I mean, uh, you'll hear it different. I'll preach it different. Uh, God answers prayers like that. And so it's, it's a preparation. Uh, it really should, for us, um, this hour, this hour and a half should be the most important time of the week. And we ought to get prepared for that. Uh, kids should be prepared for it. They should get in bed only on Saturday night. And, uh, we should make, I, I, I just know, the more preparation I make, the more preparation you make, the better it's going to be. Somebody say amen. So next week, just remember that. I'm not going to remind you, just remember that. Uh, if, you're, if you're there with your family, hey, what, what better thing to say, hey, Pastor Bruce has sent out this text for next week. We don't have time to read it like right now, but let's pray for services. Amen. The wicked tenants. Wow. Uh, and this week, we're going to look at the first uh, seven verses, I believe it would be. And it's about the vineyard. And what is the vineyard? And so over the next uh, two or three weeks, we're going to develop this, this, the, this, this theme about the wicked tenants. And we're all a part of the vineyard. And we're all workers in that vineyard. And so how does that apply to us? And this morning, we're going to look at verses 33 through 39. So just to bring you up to date, we are in chapter 21. In that scripture, uh, we know that uh, Jesus came in uh, to Jerusalem uh, really in a triumphant way that showed that He was the Savior. He was coming as the Savior of the world. Uh, he drove out the uh, buyers and sellers in the temple. He turned it into a place of prayer. He turned it into a place of healing. We looked at the cursed uh, fig tree. Uh, we looked at Jesus' authority being questioned. This is all in one chapter, okay? And we're not through with it yet. We looked at the parable of the two sons. And today we'll begin to look at the parable of the wicked tenants. That's not something we want to be identified as in the future. But we are workers in the vineyard. And the owner will someday hold us accountable for the work we've done. And matter of fact, I think we work in several different vineyards in our lives. And we'll develop that over the next few weeks. This all take, took place probably on Tuesday and Wednesday of the week of his death. We know that the Lord's Supper was instituted on Thursday. Are y'all with me? And then on Friday, uh, he was crucified. The arrest happened on Thursday night. So you see where we're at? We're, we're in the last few days of Jesus' life. 
So everything he said was very important. And so Tom had mentioned this in his, in his reading this scripture. These, uh, these three parables, the two sons, the wicked uh, tenants, and the marriage feast, all these parables, they were back to back to back. Are y'all with me? I mean, his people were there and he dropped it on them in, in a minute. Now, we, we've taken, we're going to take several weeks to look at these parables. But you, are you with me? He gave it to his followers, bang, bang, bang. It was important to him. It was some of the last things that he did. So let's pick up in verse 33. So it says, hear another parable. There was a master of a house who planted a vineyard, put a fence around it, and dug a wine press in it, and built a tower, and leased it to tenants, and went into another country. Now, vineyards in that time, in that place, was like where Brother Bob was raised in California. There were vineyards everywhere. And there were many wealthy landowners that had lots of land, that had lots of vineyards. So this was something that happened on a regular basis. So people knew what he was talking about when he talked about a vineyard, a new vineyard that was planted, a wall put around it, and a wine press was put in it. It was something that they would understand way more than we do. So who was here intended for the master of the house? Think about that in your mind. And now you have in your scripture or in your notes there, Isaiah 5, 1 through 7. We, we may not read all of it, but I want to start out in Isaiah chapter 5, verse 1. We began to look at this uh, in the last few weeks uh, as we began to talk about the term vineyard. So Isaiah chapter 5, verse 1. Let me sing for my beloved, my love song concerning his vineyard. Okay? Now, the nation of Israel was chosen by God, and the nation of Israel as a whole was his vineyard. Okay? And he was looking after that vineyard. He says, my beloved had a vineyard on a very fertile hill. So this vineyard was, was newly planted. It was in a good spot. I mean, this, this was a grade A vineyard. It was not, it was not on a sorry piece of land. Uh, in, in other words, everything that the nation of Israel had, okay, was by God's grace everything they needed to be the people that God would have them to be. I mean, these were privileged people that he was watching over and he was looking after and he had left them to do a work, giving them everything that they needed. Verse 2, he dug it and cleared it of stones and planted it with choice vines. Are y'all with me? You get the drift of this? This was a special vineyard. The nation of Israel had a, a, a special place in God's plan. Of all the nations, the nation of Israel was special. And we're going we're gonna to develop that. He built a watchtower in the midst of it. And hoed out a vine vat, wine vat in it. So they didn't have to take the grape somewhere. They could do it all right there. And he looked for it to yield grapes. 
but it yielded wild grapes. Are y'all with me? God expected something out of the nation of Israel. Are y'all ready? Let's go right down. Let's just cut to the chase. And if he saved you by the blood of Jesus, and you have become a part of his kingdom, he expects some good wine and good grapes out of each one of us. Y'all with me? The bottom line is, when he, when he does a work in our lives, he does it in a way that we have everything that we need to produce good grapes. Did y'all hear me? Everything. Listen, it will not be his fault if we produce wild grapes. It was not his fault that the nation of Israel killed the prophets and turned them all away. It was not his fault. It was the stubbornness. It was the hard-heartedness of the people. So who is the master of the house? It is none other than the Lord of hosts. He is the master of the house. He has built the vineyard. He has hedged his people in by his providence. I, and we'll develop this over the next few weeks. Listen. Just, just think about it. The nation of Israel. This is one that we don't think much about and we don't talk much about. Let's talk about the nation of Africa. Some of the first to get the gospel. And now who's in charge of Africa? The Muslims. Are you with me? Then Western Europe. How privileged was Western Europe to have the gospel message when Paul took it to Rome, right? Somebody now tell me about Western Europe. They have gone the way of heathens. Tell me that America has not been special and privileged. And to think that we're not going the way of Africa and not going the way of Western Europe... To to think we're not going that way, you got your head buried in the sand. We have been been given everything to produce good grape and good wine and to have an influence throughout the world. God often compares His church to a vineyard. This is a little vineyard here called Maranatha Baptist Church. And y'all with me? He expects us, all of us, to produce good fruit for His honor and His glory. Not me, not Tom, not Bob, not Russ, not uh, Mark. All of us to produce good fruit. Oh, and... Man, I'm telling you, there was so much that, that, that I would have liked to share with you today, but yesterday's uh, Grace Gems was, uh, not Grace Gems, Spurgeon Morning Devotion was about oil, and it was from, from Exodus, and I can't even quote the scripture, but <clears throat> you know the, the virgins, uh, the ten virgins, they went out, five of them, they, they had enough oil, the others waited too late to go get it. Listen. We all got to get we all got to go get oil. Y'all with me? To operate and to burn brightly, we got to go get oil. 
It, it's not just poured into our container. Listen, we all need oil to operate in His vineyard. Well, there's a place to go get it. Y'all with me? And it's not down to the store where they sell olive oil. It's to the feet of Jesus. And it's in prayer. And it's in His Word that we get the oil that causes us and gives us the ability to operate in His vineyard. And so we either neglect it or we wait around and think we'll get it when the time comes and then it's too late. Look, God has given us the graces to operate in the arena that He's put us to operate in if we just go get those graces. Somebody say amen. Have you ever heard of the Word of God? Have you ever heard of communing with Him in prayer? Have you ever heard about the assembling together for Bible study? And listen, I'm absolutely convinced that we are studying uh, the, the, the point of the spear. We are studying, we are studying absolutely world-class literature in our Bible studies. A few come. A few get their kids here. A few study their lessons. But there is, there is all kinds of stuff there for you that would provide the graces, the oil, for you to operate in His vineyard. But we sit back on our, our duffs and think He's just going to lavish it on us? He, he did lavish it on us. He opened up our minds and He opened up our eyes and opened up our hearts and gave us repentance and belief. Wow! He did that. But now there are graces that we must take hold of if we want to have the oil to produce the fruit He wants us to produce. Hosea 9.10, like grapes in the wilderness, I found Israel like the first fruit on the fig tree in its first season. I saw your fathers, but they came to Baal Peor and consecrated themselves to the thing of shame who became detestable like the thing they loved. You know what's happening there? You know what happened with the nation of Israel? You know what's happened to all other societies? You know what's happened in America? Christians have turned to idols. And we're more worried about the things of the world, that's become our idols, than the things of eternity. God Almighty being in heaven has left His church. Are y'all with me? In this case, this morning, right? The Jews in the hands of high priests and other authorities. Y'all with me? That's what He left His church in, in charge of His church. Well, we'll carry that on down to the local church in the few days to come. So, God chose the nation of Israel, gave them high priests, gave them religious scribes and religious leaders and left them in charge of doing His work in the vineyard. Verse 34. So when the season for fruit drew near, He sent His servants to the tenants to get His fruit. And the tenants took His servants and beat one and killed another and stoned another. Again, He sent other servants more than the first and they did the same to them. Hmm. So, it's obvious that the master of the house was the Lord himself. And it's just as obvious 
that the servants sent represent all the Old Testament prophets that God sent to the nation of Israel. Y'all were here Wednesday night? Okay. We talked about Isaiah. We talked about Micah, right? They served at about the same time, 700 years before the return of Christ. Those are the kind of people that he kept sending what? Over and over and over to the nation of Israel saying, Repent, turn from your idols, give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord. Are y'all here this morning? Listen, 2 Chronicles 20, 33, during the reign of Jehoshaphat, however, the people never got rid of their idols and never fully committed themselves to following the God of their ancestors. Y'all hear that? The call today is the same as it was in the day of Jehoshaphat. Get rid of your idols and fully commit yourselves to following the God of your ancestors, the God Almighty, the God of creation, and His Son, Jesus Christ. That's still the word today. That's the only hope for America. It's the only hope for individuals. It's the only hope for the local church. Listen, I don't care how many student loans, quote, you forgive. I will tell you, those student loans may have forgiven, forgiven for some, but somebody's going to pay for those student loans. So we have all this going on. We have our idols going on. We haven't fully committed ourselves to the Lord, and that's exactly what we need. We need repentance. We need to the turning of the Lord. The servants sent obviously represent the Old Testament prophets. They were sent to the Jewish church. Why? To reprove the priest, to admonish the priest, as well as the people of the duty which they owed to God. We have a duty. Why? Because of the blood of Jesus. If we have accepted the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, we have an obligation to serve the Lord. We have been bought at a price. The blood of Jesus. This parable also shows the indignities shown to the prophets and especially to the Christ. We, we, uh, listen, we don't know what indignities are. Are y'all with me? Uh, indignities are when we are really, when people are really, uh, treated with disrespect, uh, for who they are or what they might believe in. Now, some people have experienced that. We haven't experienced any of that. But I want to tell you, we're, we're about to experience that. The, the more Christ-like you are, the more you hold to the Word of God. Are y'all with me? The more you don't back away from saying, I believe in all of the Word of God. The more indignities, are y'all with me? You're going to experience. Just, just a little bit. This is... Uh, Something I, I saw, it, somebody would, you country music fans would know who it was. So there was a wife of a country music guy this week that made the statement, y'all ready? That she was so glad 
that when she was a full-blown tomboy in her adolescence, that her parents did not encourage her to trans. She thanked her parents for allowing her to be a tomboy, but did not encourage her that maybe somewhere or the other she should be a, a boy instead of a girl. So social media, you can imagine, erupted. Are you with me? She went on to say she enjoyed the girly girly of being a girl. She enjoyed being a woman. Wow! Social media has roasted her. Are y'all with me? The, the straighter you are, the straighter you are. Are y'all ready? And the more, the more willing you are to talk about being straight, the more indignities that are going to be heaped upon you. Get ready. It hasn't been this way. Throughout the world it's been this way. Hasn't been this way in America. The most hated people in America today, the, uh, matter of fact, quote, the greatest enemy to society are Christians who believe in the absolute word of God. Now, if y'all don't believe that's the case, you got your, you're living somewhere besides where I'm living. I'm talking about roasted on social media for saying, I enjoy being a woman. That's not cool. If y'all didn't know that, you're what, you, need, you, need to, you need to get somebody to tell you somewhere to go get news than rather where you're getting it. y'all hear me? Let me tell you. The straighter you are, the more closely you unashamedly believe and handle this, the more you're going to be hated on. Job losing, hated upon. You, you can't be straight and talk about it and keep your job in America. Fire chief, somewhere, just in the last few days in Texas, spoke out about he was straight. He thought that was the way it to be. He doesn't have a job anymore. Indignities. Well, look, listen, if you're going to work in God's vineyard and the prophets were treated indignantly, are you better than the prophets? Am I better than the prophets? No. Just keep on speaking the truth. Nehemiah 9, 26. Nevertheless, they were disobedient and rebelled against you, cast your law behind their back and kill your prophets who had warned them in order to turn them back to you. And they committed great blasphemies. You get that? They killed your prophets. You know, you know what they're saying? They killed anybody that spoke the truth to them. Listen, the last thing that I want to hear when I'm living in open rebellion to God's Word is the truth. That's my human nature. But you know what? Anytime they get around, y'all with me? Anytime they get around me or you, 
They ought to hear the truth. And the truth is, you are what God made you. Hebrews eleven thirty six through thirty seven, others served, served, I'm sorry, others suffered mocking and flogging, even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn in two. Was it Jeremiah that I read this week that was sawn in two by a wood saw? You ever heard of that term, a wood saw? Now look, if I'm sawed in two, I mean sawed in two, I want you to use the sharpest knife you got. Can you, be a, can you imagine a being sawed in two by a dull saw or a wood saw? Jeremiah. That's how he died. Sawn in two. They were killed with a sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated. Anybody want to sign up for that? Come on now. Just just look. If you'll just sign up to be a committed follower of Jesus, to, to get rid of your idols and to live radically by God's Word, you've signed up for some of that. Hey, I'm telling you, for the majority of the world, signing up for that in the last 200 years has cost people something. It's not cost Americans anything, but it's about to. Jeremiah and Micah were beaten. Zechariah was murdered in the temple. I've already promoted it, but let me promote it again. This week's Bible study lesson, listen, was great. It was good stuff. Hey, it's not too late for you to study it, even if you missed it. And I'll just tell you, Jeannie and I do the, the family devotion, and it's always a follow-up to it. It was all about Isaiah chapter 40, and I promise you, it's worth the study. Listen, listen, people. If you're missing, missing Bible study, you're missing something really good. And, and if you're allowing your kids to miss it, you are allowing your kids to really miss some foundational stuff they should be getting. And it's either your responsibility, it is your responsibility to give it to them, but if you want us to come alongside and help, we're willing to do that. All the prophecies that were given. Think about this, all the prophecy given were at least 400 years before the death of Christ because we had a 400-year period there of what? Silence. Did y'all hear that? Wow. And we may go through another drought of 400 years of silence. But all the prophecies, and guess what, folks? They've all been fulfilled. Verse 37. Finally he sent his son to them, saying, They will respect my son. And then the master sent his son. God, after all his prophets, sent his only son to the Jews and to their priest. Sent who? His only son, the Lord Jesus Christ. His well-beloved son. And, and what, did, what did they think? 
They, they thought, they will respect my son. The owner of the vineyard thought that. God's saying that this is what they should do. They should receive my son. But that's not what they did. Listen to verse 38. But when the tenants saw the son, they said to themselves, This is the heir. Come, let us kill him and have his inheritance. And they took him and threw him out of the vineyard and killed him. That sound familiar? How about Matthew 27, verse 1? When morning came, all the chief priests and the elders of the people took counsel against Jesus to put him to what? Who? Who was it? Chief priests and elders, the religious authorities. They were looking for the Messiah, but here he is and they missed him. Look at verse 1153 in John. So from that day on, they made plans to put him to what? John 18, 12 through 14. So the band of soldiers and their captain and the officers of the Jews arrested who? And bound him. First they led him to Annas, for he was the father-in-law of Caiaphas, who was high priest that year. It was Caiaphas who had advised the Jews that it would be expedient that one man should die for the people. Acts 4.27, For truly in this city there were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the people of Israel. Who was against Jesus? Everybody. A handful of women. A handful of followers. Everybody else was against Jesus. And all of this was speaking of the death of Jesus at the hand of wicked priests. But you know what? Didn't catch Jesus by surprise, did it? Wow. He came knowing all that was going to happen. Yet came to do the will of who? His Father. Acts 2.23. Then Jesus delivered up according to definite... Listen. Then Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of who? Who did it? Who planned it? Who brought it about? God. For who? For sinners like me and you. So, does it not make sense? that the reasonable thing to do would be to get rid of all our idols and fully commit ourselves to following this one Jesus Christ? This Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. So when the husbandmen, the tenants, saw the son, they said, this is the heir. So this wasn't true of all of those there, but it's doubtless true that many of them, and even the most religious of them, wanted to do away with Jesus. You know, we would think that this was impossible for rational creatures to do. But they did it. Convicted by their own consciences, but they would not submit 
to the Lordship of Christ. So three things that we can learn this week from these, these passages. He had built the vineyard well. Everything was in place that was needed. Are we all together this morning? Everything that we need to be committed followers of Jesus is in place. The Word of God, the Holy Spirit of God, and in America, just so many things that are disposable. Good books, godly men who are trying to serve the Lord. Look, I, I, I want to tell you, I really believe this. I really believe that, that you have three men that love the Lord and want to follow Him and serve Him. I really believe that. And I want you to pray for us. God kept sending prophets to the people, the last being John the Baptist. Now listen, that was to the people of Israel. So God keeps sending young people. Don't tune out here. You keep hearing messages. Adults, you keep hearing messages about the blood of Christ, about repentance. Stop going your way and go his way. Repentance. Stop doing these things. And believe in and trust in not your own goodness or what you might do to be saved, but trust and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Look, look. Young people, when, when you hear that message, act upon it. Adults, when you hear that message, you don't know the last time you'll hear some preacher say, today, repent and become a follower of Jesus. Today. Because God sent, sent and kept sending prophets to the people, right? Well, what, 40 years after the death of Christ? What did he bring on Jerusalem? Judgment. No more chance for the nation of Israel. And I want to tell you, the nation of Israel as a whole, is they're way out there today. Y'all with me? You don't want to follow the example of, quote, the nation of Israel today. They're, they're even more ungodly than we are. Now, is he going to deal with them in the future? Absolutely. But they're out there today. They're not an example to follow. And after all the prophets, God sent his son, Jesus Christ. And after his son, Jesus Christ, he sent preachers and people to testify to the sinfulness of man and the goodness and the mercies of grace of the Lord Jesus Christ in coming to pay the penalty for our sins. So today, the vineyard, that's what we've been looking at. The owner of the vineyard is looking for fruit. Why was he looking for fruit? Wow, he had quite an investment. This was a grade A number one vineyard. A fence, a wine press, and a watchtower for safeguarding. The Jews were the vineyard. And God gave this chosen nation all they needed. He gave them the law. Wow. I think about, I, I, thought, I didn't even think about Moses. He gave them Moses to bring them out of uh, captivity in Egypt. He gave them the law. He gave them the prophets. Nehemiah, Isaiah, and Micah, uh, just for a few. He gave them the judges. And then, foolishly, they asked for a king, 
And out of all the kings, he did give them a few good kings. Amen? All because of his great mercy and grace, he gave it to them. And lastly, God sent his son Jesus to the earth. But what did the Jews do? They rejected Jesus. Now look, they didn't have all the history of the last 2,000 years, young people, old people, that we do today. We've got more information than the Jews had. No doubt that Jesus came. He was the Son of God. He did live a perfect life. He did willingly die on the cross for our sins. He was in the tomb for three days. He was resurrected, spent 40 days here, seen by 500 at one time. He did ascend into heaven. He's on the throne at the right hand of God. We know that. It is historical. We know that by the Spirit of God, and we know that He's coming back soon. Yet people today still think there's another way to be saved. There's no other way to be saved than to give your life to Jesus. And there's no... There's no other day to do it than today. The Jews rejected him. Why? Wow, that's a whole other series of sermons. Why? They were dead in their trespasses and sin, they were ungodly, they were sinners. They were open, overt enemies to God. The Jews were. Well, I got a word for you. So were all of us. Did you hear me? No one sought God. No one had understanding. All have turned away from God. All have gone wrong. No one did good. Not even one. Did y'all hear me? We were dead in our trespasses. We were, we were ungodly. We were sinners. We were enemies of God. We were in the kingdom of the devil. We were calling, following the prince of this world. But God, what's our memory verse? But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we're dead in our trusted passes and sin. What? Christ died for our sins. Let me go back and get the rest of that and get, get the end of it straight. That is, by the way, our memory verse for this section. So this is what it says. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, Christ or God made us alive together with Christ. By grace you've been saved. He did it. We were dead. We were ungodly. We were sinners. We were enemies of God. Yet what? Christ died for our sins. So why? Man, I, I had a testimony about that this morning from somebody. Man in the flesh wants no Lord. No Savior. You know why? Because we want to be Lord of our own lives. It's an option, but the eternity is not going to be good. They wanted no authority. The religious leaders wanted control over the temple and the country. They wanted, they wanted to be in charge. Well, is that not man today? I want to be in charge of my own destiny. 
Wow. We don't either. We're in charge of our own destiny. We're going to end up in the wrong spot. There is connection between the parable of the two sons and this parable. Both have to do with the vineyard. Now listen to this in closing. This vineyard represents God's kingdom or His church. But there is a progression to be seen from the two sons to now. In the two sons there was rebellion and the second son was a hypocrite. In the parable of the tenants, the Pharisees are now murderers. There is a progression of sin. And the longer we operate in the sinful flesh, the more comfortable we'll, be, we'll become in it. There's, sin is progressive. Y'all with me? I mean, we don't just, I'm going to go this far and go no further. Has anybody read Romans chapter 1 lately? Sin is progressive. It hardens us. The landowner is God. The servant sent are the prophets. The son sent is Jesus Christ. The parable shows us the extent of man's sinfulness and his hatred for God and for others. Matter of fact, is it not amazing to you that we're about to look at chapter 22, verses 37 through 39? Love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind. And the second commandment is like it. Love your what? Neighbors yourself. We're, we're about to look at that. In our natural state, we hate others and we hate God because we really are in love with ourselves. Next week, we'll look at the judgment that came to the nation of Israel. God bless you and don't leave here without Christ. We'll stay as long as you need to talk about Him. Tom.